This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hani Balkis. Welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse 95. It is me, Hani Balkis, with Omnia Saleh, bringing you everything you need to do, or you need to know, actually, <laughs> uh, what's happening in the tech world, in the UAE, and around the world. But ladies and gentlemen, today we have a jam-packed show for you. We're going to be talking about how one in five online users in the UAE are allowing apps to use their webcams and microphones, and they don't even know. Yes, indeed. And a lot of people go ahead and click on that accept button, allowing all those apps to have access to those webcams and microphones. Coming up on the show as well, if you're living right here in the UAE and you're facing some issues with your Apple security alerts, today we're going to be giving you what to do and how do you tech on all, for all iPhone users as well as iPad users to make sure that your security is not at risk. Yes, and also... So we have a live Zoom interview with Najib Jarrar, who is a product expert and head of consumer product marketing for Google in the Arab world. Time after time, we call for Google Assistant, asking her for the weather, asking her for, you know, the time, setting alarms, Googling certain information. Mm -hmm. But not many times do we sit down and think, how does Google Assistant know how to decode our commands? And can it actually find out about our emotional well-being and give us certain discussions and certain topics to read about so that we can feel a little bit better especially during the COVID-19 pandemic this has been on the rise and today we're going to be talking all about it as well as the Arabic Google Assistant and how smart can it be to understand how complex the Arabic language is when it comes to different dialects as well as responding back in one universal form of the Arabic language lots and lots is in store on today's show so make sure you keep Pulse95 locked and we'll be right back This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hany Balkis. Google, show me the weather forecast. Google, set an alarm. Google, what is the weather in the different part of the world? And these are all questions that we ask Google on a day-to-day basis. And our wish is definitely Google's command every single time we ask it for something. Voice technology is changing the way we use our devices in ways we never expected. Nowadays, millions of us go ahead and have conversation with our devices, with our speakers, cars, computers, phones. And on the surface, it looks pretty simple. Yet a virtual assistant, with it there comes a lot of research behind the scenes, especially if that Google Assistant can also speak in Arabic. Joining us today to tell us all about the behind the scenes of how Google Assistant works is product expert and head of consumer product marketing for Google in the Arab world, Mr. Najib Jarrar. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you on the show now. Najib, let's go back in time. Let's do a kind of quick rewind. How did the Google Assistant project in Arabic begin? Um, So the journey for Google Assistant is a journey of how Google has invested heavily in Arabic as as well and understanding the Arabic language and the technology, which has started almost for the past, uh, uh, almost almost now uh, around like 20 years since Google started uh, investing in Arabic. Mm -hmm. Um, As you know, uh, in order for us to be able to like reach a point where the assistant worked today, we needed first to understand the different types of queries and what the people are actually asking in Arabic and then making sure that we have the right answers and investing in getting those right answers for those specific users, which is the technology we've been building on. The next step was more about like understanding the language, the spoken language, which Mm -hmm. is we started making 
getting a lot of investment from a research or from a product point of view when we first launched voice search uh, i think around 2011 mm-hmm. um, and then more than that how we're investing in artificial intelligence and machine learning um, to reach a point where we're able to seemingly understand the needs for the user and what's the different types of things that they might ask the assistant itself um, the assistant as you know as a product we've launched it around 2017 2018 in english mm-hmm. and it came to uh, uh, in arabic almost two years ago so april 2019 when we first introduced it um, to uh, saudi and egypt and later on to the wide uh, different arabic countries in december of the same year and it's definitely been a hit right here in the middle east especially because a lot of people love using the arabic language on a day-to-day basis so now they can even talk to their devices using their own mother tongue uh, najib on the surface a virtual assistant like google assistant you know to many people it may just seem like a device that will respond to any question you ask it but behind the scenes lots is going into it can you talk to us about how google assistant decodes users commands definitely so think about the first thing when you ask user uh, when you ask the assistant something right so we utilize a technology called natural language understanding mm-hmm. so for example um, you talk to the assistant as you talk to someone as your friend or your buddy or someone with your family using natural language you don't have to speak like in standard arabic you can speak with your own dialect as well we take that command for the first mm-hmm. end and we start understanding first what is the language so we identify this is in arabic then what is the dialect that is being spoken in let's say it's in saudi dialect at the end of the day so those are the two first things that we try to understand because that governs how do we understand the thing that you told us. Mm-hmm. And third, we start understanding the intent of mm-hmm. what you're actually telling us, right? So the because each one has a different answer. Are you telling us a command like turn on the Wi-Fi or switch on the timer? Mm-hmm. Are you telling us because you need some information? How tall is Burj Khalifa or mm-hmm. who is the president of Ireland, right? Or are you asking us for um uh, like f- for an interaction, tell me a joke or tell me a quiz type mm. of a situation because each one of them has a different way of, of understanding this. Then we go and get back, once we understand the user's intent, we get back that answer. So. If it's a command, we understand what do you need to do. If it's uh, 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 an information, we go find it on the web and then bring that answer to you. Then we move it to an interesting technology that we've developed called natural language generation, right? So mm. we vocalize that answer that you actually want. And as you uh, know, that that is, is a very... Uh, a hard problem, like how do we get that answer and then vocalize it as well, creating that specific element of that language. And as you know, in Arabic, the word can be written similar ways, but can be pronounced differently yeah. depending on the uh, diacritics that are on top or and below the actual line. So we've even developed a diacritic engine where we take that word and we understand the meaning. We created the diacritics to them, and then later on we vocalize them, mm-hmm. and then we speak them down to the language, uh, to the users directly. And imagine all of this happens in like less than a second. So getting it, understanding it, and then ge- getting the right answer, and then generating the language into it, and getting it to the user in less than a second. Yes, obviously we can know that uh, it does use a lot of AI and machine learning when it does come with Google Assistant. But let's talk about the immense research that did go behind the scenes when it did come to Google Assistant. 
Definitely. And like that's exactly the part of research that we're actually mm. thinking about. So mm. from a language based research, so mm. thinking about like how do we understand the Arabic different dialects that we have, yeah. right? And even so when you think about the dialect is not even country based. So some countries have different dialects in, in, in it as well. So understanding the dialects uh, to, to start with, to um, then understanding the user's intent, right? So how do we predict the user's intent from the first few words or how do we even decode them at the end of the day? to even the research of um, creating a, a machine learning that will be able to create the diacritics. Because as you know, for example, if we go to the web and we get some sort of an answer, um, mm -hmm. the majority of the content of the web does not have diacritics in it. So in order for us to vocalize it correctly, we need to assign some sort of a diacritic into it. And that's a lot of research and science to be able to predict a model that will enable us to assign the right diacritics to the right word, and then later on generate it and send it back to the user uh, as well. The Arabic language is definitely beautifully complex and so much goes into a simple command that we go ahead and give to Google Assistant. Coming up on the show, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the accuracy of Google Assistant in understanding users' commands in Arabic, as well as the voice of Google Assistant. How is it chosen and uh, is it completely a machine talking or is there a certain actor behind that voice? If you have any questions for Najib Jarrad, please feel free to share them with us on our text lines 4215 do it this a lot or into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. You're listening to Pulse95. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnia Al-Saleh and Hany Balkis. Google Assistant, oh, Google Assistant. We ask it for things all the time and we don't necessarily sit down and think how capable are virtual assistant to be able to deliver a lot of the information that we ask them for. They can recognize about 97% of speech, quickly find information and analyze it effectively. Yet this is all just the beginning, especially for people living right here in the UAE and Arab countries. Google Assistant is actually capable of speaking in Arabic, mm -hmm. which is something that other virtual assistants for example, like Siri, is actually not capable of doing. So if you don't have uh, an Android or any Google Pixel phone, we are going to give you... So you got a snapshot of what Google Assistant in Arabic actually sounds like. And this was one of her beginnings back in 2019, just starting out, understanding the different dialects. Now it's a lot more advanced. And to tell us all about it, we have with us on the show Najib Jarrad, product expert and head of consumer product marketing for Google in the Arab world. Najib, it's been such a great conversation with you today. Thank you uh, for having this uh, conversation with me. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you. Now, before the break, you were telling us how Google Assistant does decode users' commands. But does that same process occur with other other Google products, such as, just like we heard, Google Translate? So definitely um, advancement in research in a specific language impact a lot of different Google products at a similar time, right? So part mm -hmm. of that is when we are talked about understanding the user's intent, mm -hmm. we utilize some of that machine learning in, in your actual Google search when you go and type for a, a query as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we try to understand what is your intent and then uh, get you the answer based on that, right? So this is a lot of the time um, utilizing the similar technology and similar research that we have. There are elements where are more focused 
focus toward the assistant. So think about like the natural language understanding and the natural language generation, which is more because the assistant is more of a voice product that we actually have. So it does share some similarities with some products, uh, but it also is a unique area on its own as well. Absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Arabic language because, you know, speaking in English, English does seem to be much simpler than Arabic. With Arabic, you have different dialects. Every country can speak in a different way and let alone in within the same country, every area may have a different dialect than the others. So did you face any challenges when working with the different dialects and how many dialects can Google Translate, Google Translate, Google Assistant actually understand? So because the Google Assistant is built on um, uh, a machine learning algorithm as well, it also tries to learn new techniques, right? So even if we, today we are not good in a specific dialect, let's say, um, the more people are using it, the more people are using it from that specific dialect, it starts learning and starts enhancing more results based on that specific dialect. Today we support, I think, around 15 or 16 different dialects that we actually have within the region. Um, but with the more usage, uh, uh, the more it becomes much better. And of course, um, the quality of the product depends, like it gets enhanced with more users and with more time. Yeah. Um, so we've seen a lot of advancement uh, uh, since launch till today as well. And what about the accuracy level? How accurate is it when it comes to understanding different dialects? So it all depends as well. It's not only just about the dialect, but it also depends on the situation that you are in. So definitely speaking, like let's say while you are in a very busy market or in a room with a lot of noise and music that might uh, reduce the accuracy as well. Mm. We've tested that. So even some of our uh, product testing, when we're coming into it, we'll put the assistant in different situations, different noise level to be able to be as accurate as possible. Mm. But as I said, when it comes to a uh, dialect in itself, I think the more common or the more used the dialect, the product will be more accurate just because there is more users and more data to train in mm. um, compared to like a smaller dialect or a smaller part of the population. But it definitely does improve with the more users users that are actually using it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've tried sometimes, I'll, I'll be bored and I'll talk to uh, these assistants and a lot, you, I mean, sometimes I would try to see if they'd catch what I'm saying or not, so I'll just start talking in a really low voice or really fast or change dialects just to see if they'll get it, especially when it goes to the uh, speech-to-text feature oh, yes. that a lot of phones, <laughs> and even Google has it uh, in, in their app, Yeah, you can have that speech-to-text. Absolutely. Um, one last question for you, Najib, before we hop on a quick break. Uh, in what dialect does Google Assistant respond with, or is it just the modern standard Arabic, and how easy is it to go from a dialect to responding back in the modern standard Arabic? So we've chose that the assistant for the time being responds in a modern standard Arabic, right? So it, we found it that we, it's a common way for us to respond uh, across the different countries. Mm -hmm. And as well as we've done a lot of research where people prefer that the assistant respond as a more standard Arabic versus like a, a colloquial or a more of a dialect specific Arabic. They think that this is the right level where they're getting information or being more informative towards uh, uh, that element. Uh, but hopefully in the future, we might see more assistants or more personal uh, assistant that are more uh, uh, responding in different dialects as well. And the future definitely looks bright. Coming up on the show, we're going to be talking a little bit about the emotional side of mm -hmm. Google Assistant as well as Google Trends. Since during the pandemic, many people were actually Googling, I feel anxious or what to do when you're feeling a little bit lonely. If you're one of those people, you don't want to miss up on our coming segment because we're going to be discussing all of that and much more. You're, you're listening, listening to... to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. 
This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hani Balkis. You know, honey, every time I'm stressed, feeling lonely, worried about working from home, the first thing that comes to mind, and I'm sure a lot of people tuning in right now would agree, is to simply Google it. And yes. you'd be surprised by the amount of results you'd get, the amount of tips, whether it was WikiHow or any other website that can mm-hmm. give you tips on how to deal with feeling lonely. What about you? Yeah, well, when I'm bored or mm-hmm. lonely, especially <laughs> during the first couple, couple of weeks of lockdown, I mean, the first week was like, oh, yeah, I'm working from home. I'm happy. Second was like, oh, yeah, I'm working from home. I'm happy. <laughs> Third week was like, I'm working from home. I'm upset. I'm not happy. <laughs> so um, I would sometimes Google, uh, hey, I'm bored. What can I do if I'm bored? And mm. uh, WikiHow or Wikipedia would always have uh, the trick to it. And sometimes, Omnia, I would uh, just have a conversation with the Google Assistant or even Siri at some times. And, you know, I'd just be on my bed, open it up and just start talking. And maybe sometimes I think one time I was talking with my HomePod as well. Ooh, well, you'll definitely be excited to know that Google actually announced that today is the day when Google Assistant will actually be able to respond to queries that are related to emotional well-being. And joining us to tell us all about it is Najib Jarrar, product expert and head of consumer product marketing for Google. It's been such a great conversation with you, Najib. And, you know, we want to hear from you. Do you mm-hmm. actually use Google to find out about certain tips or tricks to get around, not necessarily around how you're feeling, because the only way through with an emotion is through the emotion. So how do you deal with your emotions and do you go for Google uh, to be able to handle them? Um, so, like, I think we always try to utilize Google to try to find answers to issues that we face in our daily life, right? Yeah. So whether that was something that is like simple on the surface, like what's the nearest restaurant or how do I go from point mm-hmm. A to B or like a specific trivia type of a question. We've even seen that for the assistant because the assistant is a unique product that it actually has a personality. So people are actually communicating with it and talking with it a little bit more. So thinking about like um, people are asking the assistant on things like, um, Uh, uh, tell me a joke or for example I love you and they express their emotions and sometimes we found out that the users also um, express their uh, um, emotions as well to the assistant right so things like I am sad I am lonely I am depressed um, and and all of that type of of emotional uh, issues that they might be facing and where Google is trying to be more helpful, right? And as we try to be helpful at the users and every during their everyday moments, right? So when it, you're, the users want to seek information or they want to get uh, from point A to point B, we also want to be helpful during their time of distress. So that's why we uh, th- thought about like, how do we able to respond to with users in that specific time of, of, of distress? And we created a way where we're connecting people with expert review coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. right? So those are designed for uh, to help them during their emotional uh, well-being mm-hmm. um, and to help them guide them through those specific processes, right? So that's where we're aiming uh, uh, with that element. Specifically, exactly like what uh, uh, you guys said, that we seen a huge rise during the lockdown with users coming in and uh, expressing a multitude of different emotions to the Google Assistant. And that's where the need came in and how we thought about this specific uh, product as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's obviously uh, it's very important how we can kind of implement those things in our daily and emotional lives. Absolutely. Najib, we want to hear from you. What are some of the responses that Google Assistant will be able to give to certain people, you know, if they have any certain emotional uh, query about their own well-being? 
So it depends on that specific type of a query. And definitely the answer for when somebody is telling you, I am sad is definitely is different yeah. than uh, I am lonely. Yeah. And that's why we worked for with different experts from Safe Space to help us like craft the right answers that will guide the users through those understanding exactly, as you said, through those feelings and understanding what are the different coping mechanisms that they can do, um, which might lead as well into a conversation with that user to some way, um, it might, we might encourage them to seek professional advice, right? So mm. either seeing a, a practitioner or a, a doctor, that will help them guide them through more serious type of feelings, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where we move them through uh, uh, those type of responses as well. That's great to hear. So let's say, you know, we went and asked Google Assistant how or I'm feeling a little bit lonely or feeling a little bit sad. What would one response uh, be that Google Assistant would give us? Um, we try to tell them, for example, to visualize like, um, do you want to talk a little bit more about it? Yeah. Some people, when they're feeling lonely, they might want to uh, draw down their feelings, right? So one of mm. the expert responses is, for example, maybe you want to write down that feeling to be able to actualize the reasons why you're actually doing this, right? Mm. And then we start guiding them through the different ways where they can experience and like actually put that feeling into the right space uh, 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 to go to them. And that's different where someone is um, in a more serious uh, 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 situation mm. where, for example, it's telling you like, I'm depressed where we ask them to seek some sort of a professional help yeah. because sometimes um, you might need to talk mm -hmm. to that uh, uh, to people. That helps us well into hopefully break down the stigma as you know within the Middle East about yeah. like seeking professional mm -hmm. mental help um, which is why we're trying to move users to uh, those specifically crafted answers with the help of experts and hopefully encourage them to seek uh, uh, expert as well as help and advice in, in more serious situations one. Yeah, I mean, I think one time I was reading a news article mm -hmm. how an assistant actually helped someone, uh, a virtual assistant actually helped someone who was going through a rough time to seek professional and medical help, uh, professional medical help in the area they were in. They were like, hey, I think I'm depressed. I don't I don't feel so good. I'm, I've mm -hmm. been down for a little bit. It's like, hey, uh, there's a couple of therapists in your area if you'd like to give mm -hmm. them a call. And that person did it, and uh, thankfully they recovered. They covered recovered very well. And it's great to know that you know sometimes you may not want to talk to a human being because you feel like they might judge you or they may they may not know the right things to say. But with an with an assistant, there's no judgment here. You're kind of like talking to a machine, so there's no human behind it. But this machine can go ahead and guide you to the human beings that can give you the support that you need. Najib, let's talk a little bit about Google Trends. You know, Google search trends when it comes to emotional well-being in the UAE. COVID-19 has created a big stress in our lives. And I'm sure some of the trends do reflect that as well, don't they? Definitely. And um, the events of the last almost like year uh, uh, has been um, stressful to different people within the UAE and the larger like Middle East as well. So we've seen um, one on a positive side, a lot of people spending more time thinking about their mental and self-care well-being. So like queries like, for example, self-care, we've seen it rise almost like 25 percent in 2020 versus 29, uh, 2019, mm. which is a, a positive indicator into people who are uh, actually uh, are aware of the importance of mental health and self-care mm. and uh, uh, are actually seeking those specific advice, right? So think about like elements where uh, the subject of mental health, where we've seen it as it's like 10 years high in a country like Egypt, more awareness are coming into uh, uh, 
the situation. We've even seen like situations where like people are trying to find ways where they could help others. So the queries like, uh, how do I help a sad person? We've seen mm. it rise almost like 150% uh, in the last like five years as well. So we're seeing more people are aware of the value and more people are seeking advice. But due to like the, the COVID, the lockdown and the situation, yeah. even like what COVID brought in from the economy point of view, more people are feeling sad, lonely, um, and as well as experiencing different range of emotions, especially that they're uh, um, away from their loved ones or their families, especially if they are in like in a different country or because of the lockdowns or working from home that limited their interactions with like their colleagues at the office as well. Um, so a positive indicator, people are seeking help, but definitely we're seeing a rise of uh, such queries, which yes. is what pushed us to think about this product to start with. Amazing. I love it. And I love every aspect you guys at Google are taking for that approach when it does come to mental health. Yes, indeed. Najib, one last question to wrap up uh, our conversation. A lot of popular virtual assistants are actually voiced by real people. We've actually had a conversation with the real voice behind Siri, which was Susan Bennett. So I'm wondering, how does Google Assistant get her voice or his voice if someone is opting for the male version of Google Assistant? So today, the Google Assistant in Arabic is voiced by uh, a female, right? Mm. So hopefully more uh, gender voices will come in soon as well. That is a real human voice. Mm. Um, and that specific voice, we worked with them to ensure that uh, we've captured it and we are able to utilize it to generate the different answers that we've actually have. So, but uh, yes, the assistant voice is a real human being. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that uh, uh, like that uh, worked hard to make sure that this is uh, uh, that it's in the right quality for us to actually come in. And I think that's a good thing to keep in mind, especially when you get frustrated mm -hmm. by the virtual assistant. That there's a human behind yeah. this voice. You you can't just get mad at the machine, not thinking that there's a human voice, even if it's not a human always responding. It's always the voice. Yeah, it does in the give background. you that uh, you know that uh, human feel. Yes, absolutely. Najib Jarrar, product expert and head of consumer product marketing for Google. Thanks a lot for joining us today thank you so much for having me have a wonderful day thank you it was a pleasure having you on the show to everyone tuning in to us right now we're going to be taking a short break but when we come back we're going to be talking about a very interesting study that we have come across where we actually have news that one in five online users living right here in the mm -hmm. uae are actually allowing different applications to access their microphones as well as their webcams what risk could this pose on our privacy keep pulse 95 locked to find out all about it this is Pulse95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. Yes, you're listening to Future Talk right here on Pulse95. It has been a jam-packed show right here on Future Talk. And we want to give a special shout-out to Zain Al-Masri, who is yes. actually tuning in to us right now and tuning into the conversation that we just had with Najib Jarrar. Hope you're having all a blessed afternoon because... We have interesting news coming up when it comes to our own privacy that yeah. has got me a little concerned today. Yeah, and big shout out to Zain al-Masri. We had her on the show a couple yes. of 
Is it a month ago? It was a couple of months My ago. My timeline is a little bit off, I ladies lost, and gentlemen. I lost count of time as well. I'm just happy we're in 2021. <laughs> but Azem Musler, we had her on the show, and she was amazing. She did yes. talk to us about uh, Google uh, Maps and yes. how uh, we had. she went to Petra. She Jordan. placed her own mark yeah. on Google Maps, and you can actually catch that conversation on our YouTube channel, Pulse95 Radio, as well as on our podcasts, SoundCloud, yeah. and Apple Podcasts under the name Future Talk 95. Let's talk a little bit about the survey because apparently one in five UAE residents are allowing apps to use their webcams and microphones. And a lot of us press that accept that OK button without giving it a second thought. Yes. Now, one in five UAE residents have given app providers permission to access their microphones or even webcams. And the cybersecurity firm Kaspersky did pull 15,000 people now. We are very good friends with Kaspersky. <laughs> and of these, 21% said they always give permission if prompted to do so. Now, 60% were worried someone could be watching them through their webcam without their consent or knowledge. Let me tell you, honey, I actually was one of those 60%. But very recently, I've started paying a little bit more attention, especially when it comes to allowing certain apps to have access to the webcam you know if it's if it's an app that does not need my webcam why are you asking for permission for the webcam that's a little bit concerning yeah it's like uh, for example let me think of an app a game app for example hey webcam and uh, I mean, uh, a lot of people just give permission because uh, they just want to get on with their yeah. lives. Like, allow, 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 allow. But we do know that more than more than six in ten people were considered this could be done through malicious software. And we do know that a lot of people aren't instantly familiar with security p- protocols related to webcam usage and cybersecurity processes. However, we do need to know that we need to be educated when it does come yes. to online the internet. We need to be educated when it comes to accepting a kind of privilege privileges on our phones and our laptops as well now we uh, back in the day omnia yeah. uh Laptop security and computer security was very big. Yes. You know, download antivirus. Be careful of this. Be careful of that. But because of the ease of access we have on our phones and we download from an app store and, 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 I feel like a lot of people don't take this into consideration anymore. I agree with you. And, you know, they always say knowledge is power. And this could not be be more true in this situation. Because if you're just a little bit more aware that, you know, whenever you're pressing that accept, you are accepting to something, but you're also saying no to your own privacy. So just keep that in mind every time I an application asks for access to certain capabilities, whether it was the microphone, the webcam, sometimes it's even your photos, you know, and different social media platforms have created a lot more awareness when it comes to this uh, situation, especially, let's say, Instagram. Back with the latest update of Instagram, whenever you wanted to post a photo on your feed, it would ask you if you would allow Instagram to have access to that only that specific photo or your entire gallery. And you had a choice and that choice, Mm -hmm. you know, was actually yours in difference to what other apps are doing where you're just pressing allow or pressing OK without knowing what it is that you are saying OK with. Now, studies actually are showing that the people who are most likely to grow Grant permission for apps to use their microphones and webcams are people in the age group of 25 to 34 and those from the age 35 to 44. Yes, now people over the age of 55 years old were the least likely with 38% in the age bracket most likely to review refuse apps and online service providers permission to use their webcams and microphones. Now the study did ask online users to be more aware of webcams and video call risks. As the, video, as the use of video conferencing apps 
is on the rise. We do know, and me personally, someone who doesn't use Zoom that much or yeah. Microsoft Teams as much, I've been in a, sh- a fair share of, uh, of Zoom calls and conferences in the past year. I think I've been like, what, like 30? <laughs> I lost count at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, we've been in like 30 even if not more and uh, we're not we're not that important to, to be having meetings every day so imagine if uh, we're talking about a ceo someone who needs to be on call all the time uh, these things might be a little bit risky yes indeed just stay aware and let us know your thoughts how often do you allow certain applications to have access to your webcams and microphones coming up on the show we're talking about yet another security alert for all apple users right here in the uae This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hany Balkis. We have breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and we're talking about an issue that Apple is saying that it's an urgent security alert for iPhone, iPad users. Now, Apple has recently released an important security update for all iPhones and iPads just this Saturday that fixes a security flaw. Now, the company does urge the use of affected devices to download iOS 14.4.2 as soon as possible to fix a vulnerability in Apple's WebKit browser engine, which has already been actively exploited. Yes, indeed. So anyone living right here in the UAE should go ahead and download this iOS update because it's 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 interestingly curated. So it's not like any other form of hack or malicious act where, you know, it's very obvious that a hacker has control over your phone. It happens quietly, but it can definitely impact the use of the majority of your apps. So to go ahead and fix this uh, little malicious act, you have to go ahead and download the iOS 14.4.2, which is easily found on your settings. If you just go to settings, general iOS updates, you'll find it just there. Now, the security flaw actually exists in all iPhones and iPads that are running previous and earlier iOS versions and attackers mm-hmm. may already be using those details to be able to attack people's Apple devices. Let me see uh, which version I am on. Let's check who, what Hani. I think I, I, I've yet to download that update. I've been pushing it away. Same. Every now. night, Hani. Okay. Every single night, I get a reminder from Apple that I have not downloaded the latest yeah. update. Go ahead and download it. But I promise, I promise you guys, today will be the day I will say yes to that. Yeah, so uh, I am on uh, 14 14.4.1. Oh, okay. So you still didn't have, Wait, don't yeah, have but, the... But I have a problem. What's wrong? Why Not do I enough have, memory? Yeah, why do I have only 8 gigs of memory? Wait, wait, wait. Let's let's rewind a little bit. Why do you have only 8 gigabytes? 247 gigabytes used of 256. Yeah. Do you want to know why? Because you have 40,000 photos on your gallery. My, oh, I don't need to know what's going on. What's going on Whoa. is you need to back up your photos. Oh, yeah, I have 68 gigs on WhatsApp. Because, again, you keep receipts of everything. Just stop saving. WeTransfer, I have five gigs, so I need to delete, offload that Oh, yeah. Yeah. The issue is WeTransfer, not the photos. I offloaded it. Not saving everything that you get on WhatsApp. That's ridiculous. 80 gigabytes? 60. 60. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, see, now is your chance, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> to check your memory. See, Spring cleaning. Clean a little bit. I mean, man. <laughs> I, okay, now I have, I'm good to go. Honey is, is a bit concerned, but let us know. Are you are you going to be doing any spring cleaning to your phones? It is spring break for many students right here in the UAE. So it is the time okay. to sort through all of the photos that you have, back them up, 
clean up, clear more space on your phone. So, Omnia, and yes. now it re-updated mm-hmm. itself. Okay. So we're talking about WhatsApp 72 gigabytes, photos 87 gigs. I think, you know, Annie, I really, I'm too young to be getting heart issues on this show. Man, I, I use a lot. <laughs> I don't even have that many photos. And, you know, women can be very notorious for taking a lot of selfies. So let us know how are you planning to spring clean your phones and make sure you go ahead and install yeah. the latest updates because Apple is definitely urging for it. The problem is I have pictures of me back in 2012. So like sometimes I like to use them. Honey, like surprise. Back them up. <laughs> back them up. <laughs> well, You'll like- have access to them. They're not going to be lost in... I'm I'm, I'm sad now But ladies and gentlemen This does conclude Future Talk for today Let us know your guys Thoughts 4215 Or on Instagram At Pulse95 Radio We're going to be Opening up the airwaves For the only place to be At 3 The Halftime Show With Omar Adouri Giving you everything You need to know About mental health Fitness Gut health And everything Just related to your Physical and mental Well-being So keep Pulse95 locked Because the show Does still go on This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.